Hello and welcome to The Road Provides, a travel podcast for the next generation of travelers, adventurers, and vagabonds. Coming to you direct from the Flathead Valley in Whitefish, Montana, my name is Bradford Clements. I'm joined by my co-host in Denver, Nate Sundermeyer, aka the DJ Khaled of travel. Today we're going to be unleashing some hot travel takes. We'll offer some insights of how to navigate love on the road. And then we'll send you on your way with a selection of our off-trail destinations for you to consider when plotting your next adventure. So strap in, kids. This pod might go off the rails at any minute. This is The Road Provides. Another one. Again, welcome everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode. We are in the throes of a wild summer. Nate, what have you been up to these last couple of weeks? Well, yeah, it's been a few weeks, but uh, I went down to Telluride, camped in a beautiful, -ride. beautiful uh, serene spot. Met a, met a nice girl while I was at it. It's fucking sick. Um, <laughs> it's always <laughs> and a then, bonus. I mean, Telluride plus babes? Yeah, exactly. You think that's sick? I drove a Honda S2000. I ran it as if like a scene from Fast and the Furious. Cannonball? Or, Do you even know what Cannonball is? Cannonball Run, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I I hit I did hit a hundred, but um, not for very long. And uh, I drove it in one day without plates from Denver to Phoenix. It was stick. I was hitting like eight thousand RPM. It gets me excited just thinking about it. But yeah, uh, red. Yeah. How how is that drive? Pretty beautiful. Yeah, I mean the first the first six hours was just unreal, top down, going like seventy five around turns. What what about the next six hours? <laughs> it's pretty, but then it's hot. The tops up. It still is loud. You get a bit tired. I mean, that car is not designed to drive fourteen hours straight. You know, oh, man, that's brutal. Particularly, but, I imagine you get into that Arizona Arizona summer. Oh, I was a shadow of a man. I got out. I got out, and I go, "Why did anyone ever live here? My parents? <laughs> what were they thinking?" But uh, yeah, it was a, it was a good time. What have you been up to? Yeah, sweet. Um, just chilling, man. I uh, been working a lot, <clears throat> and I've been getting my ass kicked by allergies. I don't know. I love Montana, but there's something here that that doesn't love me. So it's crazy. I'm in like the most beautiful outdoor place you could be, and I've just been fucking cooped up indoors because I'm like a walking sneeze. It's just, it's awful, but I'm trying to focus on like some creative projects. I've been just been doing that in the house, reading some books and then trying to mentally prepare myself to finish this book. I've been writing for two years since then and still have like 70% to finish. So now do you spend active time preparing? Cause couldn't you just spend that time writing it or is it, what's, how's that process work as a writer? Well, you know, I've, obviously you don't know many writers because most of our time is spent preparing. And then there's yeah. just like the actual writing. It's not that long once you finally sit down and do it, but hopefully, you know, <clears throat> we can wrap up this pod here over the next month or so. And then I can, I can dig into that and do that over the late summer, early fall and figure out what's good for the winter. So yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to have you uh, not get, you know, we be done with the pod early enough that you don't have to like Hemingway yourself in with a bunch of booze in the middle of winter. So, I'm uh, I'm w willing to get this thing done. Let's get it done. Let's get into it. I'm gonna kick us off. If you guys have been following along with the podcast, you'll know our first segment 
is where we tackle current travel issues and present some of our hotter opinions about life on the road. We're calling them travel takes. Basically, each host is going to get their crack at it. So, Nate, why don't you get us kicked off first this week? Well, I'm I'm excited about this one here. Um, I don't know how to jump into this lightly, but fuck Europe. <laughs> Does that come off a bit hot? But why? I would say besides my parents, the majority of people listening to this are probably in their 20s and 30s. Sure. And I think now is a time to travel to the most challenging and uncomfortable places while you can, while you can deal with that un- uncertainty, the adversity, you know, the the big hostels, the food poisoning, the, the long, long bus, bus rides. rides. <laughs> Europe isn't going anywhere. Now's the time to get out and see your Southeast Asia's, your Africa's, your South America's, Central Asia. So with that, you know, I think about cost as well. A nice meal in Europe, wine, the whole 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 deal, 40, 50 euros. Is that fair to say? Sure. Absolutely. That's a good day in Vietnam. That's like that's, a day where you're like, you've had five to seven beers. That's three meals and a massage. Exactly. So, you know, I think like the, I think about it and there's a, when I was in Indonesia by myself, uh, Bali, I think you've probably heard of it once or twice. It's kind of an off trail destination. I was, I like rode this scooter off road for like three miles, parked it. Then like each stair, like this, you know, half mile descending into the waterfall is like two foot stairs. And this 75 year old couple was just struggling. I think one of them even had a cane. I was like, these guys are badasses. Yeah, but why, why would you do that? then do it now it's so hard i think going back to europe when you have more money and more time that's or not time but just more money if you want to do europe on a budget you can but like how many kebabs can you eat that's my question (laughs) i'm gonna jump in here this is one of my guiding principles when traveling the last 10 years i i cannot get behind this enough i think it's spot on i will say I think it's important to get some easy travel wins under your belt early, sharpen your teeth, if you will, on some more digestible places, read safer, like Western Europe, the Caribbean, et cetera, et cetera, known entities before you launch into the void of Honduras or India, Myanmar. Yeah, yeah. Those, (laughs) Those places will chew you up and spit you out real quick. And on the travel spectrum, there are definitely more manageable places to get to and to travel around. And it's likely a lot easier to manage a language barrier or an unfortunate event that happens in Italy than say one that happens in the middle of Bolivia. Yeah. And I will say, you know, I think the first, all of my first experience, travel experiences were in Europe, but I think as soon as I was of age and kind of had my own decisions, I felt like you learn it. You can do one or two trips in Europe, or as you said, the Caribbean, or you know, parts of Canada or Mexico, and then you feel a bit more ready to tackle some of those destinations that are, I don't know, a bit more have a bit more ratata to them, you know? Yeah, or, or maybe a li- where you take on maybe a little more risk or a little more wild circumstances and variables. Mm. My first ever experience out of the country was in Spain and within like <laughs> within 3 days I got roofied and robbed, you know? And but the next day I, I I walked out, I got a new phone, I got my I felt safe otherwise where I was and I was like, "All right, well, you know, I took an L early." <laughs> yeah. And I just kept it moving as opposed to 
going through something like that in a you know in a really foreign land where you didn't kind of have anything to ground you in so yeah i I think one last thing I, i think about i obviously met you in southeast asia but i'm happy i did it when i was 22 or 23 Granted, I'm, I sound like a dick being like, you old hag. But, um, you know, I think Wait, some of those me? places, some yeah, some of those places are like fun to go, you know, when you're younger and can party. You yeah, know? absolutely. And that's another aspect of this is like, go somewhere you can have a fucking good time. Um, Blow off some steam. <laughs> there are places I've purposefully kept for later in life to take a wife, you know, or a, a real steady girlfriend or even take a family. Places like Hawaii. I've always kind of thought like Ireland, maybe I want to take a girl to Greece. Now people have told me like go to Greece single, but mm. um, there are definitely some places I have in mind where I know I'm going to be kind of living in a slower play, uh, slower pace of life and kind of want to enjoy maybe some of the finer things and stay in like really nice hotels and, and go for the five course meals, all that stuff. Yeah. But I've really been happy to rip around and, and and let it loose in some of the more crazy, wild places when I'm younger and don't have any kind of responsibilities, stuff like that. Completely. Yeah. Well. All right. Well, <clears throat> that's. I that. also I do just you know I do I do like Europe. It's not oh, all, I'm not. Yeah, look, Europe's awesome. I'm just you know I'm saying right now, toot go, it and boot it, then come back. <laughs> that's what I'm saying about Europe. <laughs> and your body can only handle so much too. Even just the mm-hmm. flight out to a place like. Southeast Asia, like bro, or parts of Africa. It's like twenty something hours to get there. Yeah, that that will crush you. Plus the uh, the time difference, it can it can be heavy in in later stages of life. I can I can speak to that. All right, so let me get my hot take in here. It's a little harsh, and I'm probably going to be shaming and stepping on some people. So, if you're going on vacation this summer and you're eating out in restaurants and boozing in bars, you're a dick. Now, by all means, go to the beach, the mountains, the lake, all that stuff. Go on vacation, but stay away from locals. Order takeout, get wasted at the Airbnb with your friends, family, whoever you go there with. Because ultimately, you will go home, but the Rona will stay if you Uh brought it or if it's there. And these little beach towns and mountain towns will have to deal with the fallout from that. Now, full disclosure here, this one hit hits pretty close to home for me. I live in a little mountain town, and we went, what do we know, over two months or so without COVID here. Life was back to normal for most of us. And then we've just been mobbed by out-of-towners who flooded the bars. And now there's an outbreak here, like the most popular bar down the street. It's been flooded with tourists. Somebody tested positive for, for the Rona, and now like everybody is freaking out. And we're going to have to consider shutting back down again. And that sucks. So. I'm completely with you. I'm, I'm going to you know, step off this soapbox. For no, no. I feel, I feel like that's the case. You know, I, obviously I, I have done a good bit of travel the last two weeks within like, you know, the t- two state. I'm not going to call Utah, New Mexico, Arizona um, and Colorado the tri-state area. But, you know, those states I've been in. Uh, but yeah, you know, you're but really you kept conscious. T- you, you were camping outside, right? Camping outside. And like the, the one meal we did get in town, it was to go. And, yeah. um, yeah, I think it really is kind of like a, it sucks cause not everyone's that conscious. And I think that's, what's really messed up about those, uh, those places. But I think that's just kind of like a, we talk about conscious traveling, like you kind of have to 
think about that and think about yeah. these people in these towns. And nobody knows what the fuck is going on. Really what it all comes out to. I don't know what I'm talking about. Politicians, people don't, don't really know what's going on. So the best thing we can do, and I'm asking, I guess, for for people coming to places like mine is to to think about what what would happen here. And another example is like my dad lives in like a, a beach town with a bunch of snowbirds and you know people with vacation homes but when all those people aren't there the vacationers and people with the second home like this is an older community and they're absolutely vulnerable to something happening if this spreads down there so i'm real <laughs> that you know, one this, that whole, one, this sh- is like not like it's like a hot take it's like a it's like a deep it's like it hits pretty deep this is man the shame machine is like real heavy right now with with everything that's going on socially politically yeah. and whatever but man this is one thing i just kind of had to get off my chest and have a little have a little bit of have a little bit of r-e-s-p-e-c-t for for a for a family or for a community that's that's it. i don't think there's much more to say to that i said yeah. it you and dropped not, the mic and i'm Hopefully not, sorry yeah. fucking at me if you want some more smoke yeah well, uh, speaking of respect, uh, let's move on into our our big beefy segment here. I'm gonna call this one the Bachelor Besitos on the Road, and I know you speak Spanish. What does Besitos mean? Besitos are little kisses. So when we were in college, pretty much anything from like a peck to spending a weekend with someone of the opposite sex, we just called it Besitos. So it's an all encompassing term. And if you think about it, Un- you know, unprotected, think, unprotected sex, besitos, <laughs> yeah, just little kisses. But you think about it and it's like, you know, I think so many times men are like, yeah, you know, like really crude with the way they describe like what happened. But like besitos is kind of nice and friendly, kind of yeah. light, you know, Absolutely. Yeah. it's like a Mexican lager with a lime. It's a bit easier to drink. So uh, anyways, breaking it down, we are kind of riffing off The Bachelor very, very loosely, so I'll explain what this segment is about. In this segment, each host will share some tips and stories on romance and finding love abroad. In the future, we will discuss meeting members of the opposite sex and hookup culture in other episodes. So, how will this work? One host will present a situation, a rose, if you will, and the other host will decide whether or not they're going to accept the rose. Does that sound good to you, Brad? Sounds great. I'm ready for it. <laughs> All right. Well, let me hit you with this first rose. You're going traveling for two months in South America, but you've been in a relationship for eight months and you're leaving your girlfriend at home. Brad, will you accept this rose? No, <laughs> I will not accept this rose. Dump your girl before you leave. Again, this might be a little harsh. <laughs> I'm coming out really hot, but maybe if you've listened to a couple pods, you've known that. That I don't mince words. Yes, harsh, rash even. The philosophy here is being present. Ideally, when you're traveling, you want to be fully engaged with where you are and what you're doing. It's very hard to do that when you're talking, texting, or thinking about someone who's a million miles away. So in this case, your love actually keeps you from your adventure and any possible friendships you might make or experiences you find yourself in while traveling. So dump them. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've seen these poor conflicted souls on the road. Oh. We've got like a night out. It's about to take off like a fucking rocket ship. And they <laughs> hold back because they've got relationship considerations. <laughs> Nate. They're like, yeah, yeah. Nate, you with me? Yeah, okay. definitely. I was going to say that 
they're like something really cool has happened. Like, hey, these locals invited us over to their restaurant. Like, they're gonna like get us fucked up off rice wine. Ah, shit! I gotta talk to my boyfriend back home. Yeah. What? You know, like how are you? It's kind of just like this weird. I agree, you're not really fully there. I will say that there kind of has to be that dialogue of whether, like, if you've been dating for like five years, it's probably worth staying with them. Sure. And there probably is a bit more trust there. But yes. I think if it's one of those things where it's a shorter relationship and it's a shorter time, then you kind of have to say, we'll come back and pick it up if need be. It's not like you're going to, the goal isn't to go and bang your way through South America, but it's more of, uh, you're kind of right, like being in the moment. And that sounds like a really wanky way of saying that, but it, it really is true. Like you'd be like, oh shit, I haven't talked to this person in three days. And it's like this guilt and this sinking and it's- Exactly, it's, like, it's, it's hanging struggle. there for you. Now, there's an incredibly progressive way to approach this, but it's almost an impossible solution. It's to arrange some kind of hall pass. Or, or don't ask, don't tell arrangement for your like for your trip abroad. But believe me, like the situation is going to come up. Said person traveling is almost always there's going to be some kind of interest or somebody they meet, and there's going to be something. It is always going to happen. You can almost smell it on somebody where you're just like, yeah, they they kind of like they want to, but they don't, and then it just yeah, it's, like a, it's a loose thread that people on the backpack trail keep pulling at, and it's torturous. So. For me, the best way to avoid any inner conflict that you might have or long distance drama is just to liberate yourself of it. Free thyself of thy burden, Nate, <laughs> and all the questions and the bullshit that will eventually come up from it. That's what I'm getting at here. Uh, can I rewind to the hall passing? If I'm, so let's just say, let's flip the script, flip the script. Yes. Let's just say I'm dating a girl for, you know, eight months and mm -hmm. she's like, hey, I'm going to go to Southeast Asia and um, for two months. Yeah. I'm going to say... We're breaking up. When we come back, we can talk. But the thing is, have you seen men in these places? They are dogs. Yeah, they are ruthless like hunters. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't. I like. I don't care how much I trust this person. I just that whole situation. It's like a. It's like a Mr. Brightside period for the person at home for like two months. <laughs> I you know I couldn't imagine being on the other side of that. Which is why I think oh, on the other side, because you just be sitting there seeing everything they post on Instagram and you're just like dissecting. Who's that guy in the back? Yeah. Who's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. who's that motherfucker looking at her in the picture? You know what I mean? That is a torturous way to live. So you're almost liberating your partner too from yeah. that. If it were me on the other side, I would just be like, baby, I love you. If you really need to, first of all, take your partner with you. Like, that's yeah. that's the main thing. Like, take your girl or boyfriend traveling with you. That is such an awesome experience to have. But if for some reason you feel like you don't like you need to leave them or they can't come and you really need to make this trip by yourself, which psychologically should probably be investigated. Yeah. Why yeah, you feel that, like that you need to leave some, some things to unpack there. Yeah. Why you need to leave the person that you love for two months? I would probably just be like, baby, have your experience. Do you I'm probably gonna do me when you're gone. And if we come back and we still feel that invested into each other, then, then we'll go from there. Yeah, I don't know. I, still, I don't know. Like, this whole situation it's, makes me uneasy. And I, it seems I, think I, just, I just felt a bead of sweat drip down my armpit. The whole thing is stressful for me. I, I'm sweating. I'm sweating. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, well, heavy, heavy topic there. Yeah. I've met people on the road who've, who've tried to accomplish such a thing. And um, I've commended them. But I have also met people on the road 
who have cheated all over the place, up yeah, and down. Yeah, no, it's so, it's so bad to see. Either way, not right. an ideal situation. Yeah, dump them, leave them. All right, Be hit free. me with that rose. All right, Nate, you're walking around one of the great European cities at 2 a.m. drinking wine with a beautiful traveler you met the day prior. She barely speaks English. Nothing about her says wifey material. In fact, there's a couple red flags, but the connection is incredible and it feels like you're in a movie. Nate, will you accept this rose? Fuck yes, Brad. Lean into it. Be swept away. Throw yourself into it harder and faster than a Randy Johnson fastball. Live it out. Coming back from a trip is like coming down the mountain, right? You've heard that expression? Yep. So while you're on top of that mountain, look around. Take Smell news, that fresh baby. air. Oh, Hug yeah. a rock. Did you know, uh, have I told you that I was a film major for eight months in ed school? No, I did not know that. Well, I was. And so for a while, for eight months, I was like, film is what I want to do. And so we had to watch all these movies. And so when I was abroad and like you'd have like these kind of situations, I'm like, I am one track. I'm like, if Sweet Disposition was on, my life would be a movie. So I live for good stories, you know, and I think like it's visual. A beautiful Australian girl holding me as I drive her to dinner on my motorcycle at dusk in Vietnam. Felt like a movie. Tell me more. Living out of my van with an English backpacker for a week in New Zealand, swimming on secluded beaches and looking at the stars from the roof of my van. Fuck yeah, felt like a movie. Oh! <laughs> Drinking free liquor for three days in Laos with a Dutch girl with eyes bluer than the lagoons they're known for, splashing a big $11 on a hotel room for a night. Mm. That's a bit less cinematic, but it sure as shit felt like a movie. Why not just throw yourself into it, deal with the heavy shit later, and enjoy the fling for what it is. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. It's like, it's so tough to recount this experience or this feeling for people. You did a really good job of it. And well, you, you know, I write and I, I dabble in telling a little of these stories, but <laughs> yeah. it's so difficult just to, just to live that way. And to like, oh, man, it's just something that's so unique that you don't really find at home mm -hmm. because at home you're just like gym work, responsibilities or whatever or maybe even at home don't you know you're thinking like is this girlfriend girlfriend is this girlfriend, yeah. girlfriend material or like, like you're not going anywhere her or you are not going anywhere yeah there's like, like there's no who is she, no who urgency, is she friends right? with like what does she do for a living you start mm. you know putting all these judgments and these factors and all yeah. this stuff like on this and this pressure when you're back home but when you're abroad, you don't feel any of that. And and these people are, uh, you know, some of these people you meet are just almost like movie characters. And, yeah. and you find yourself in these situations. And the best thing you could do is just let it happen. It's probably not a movie. And it's probably not going to work out. But who yeah. gives a fuck? Live the movie for like a day, yeah. two days, however long it lasts, man. Yeah. And I was just going to say, like, it's crazy because you see these people and you're not, there, there doesn't need to be any pressure because... They're in the same boat. They're going, I'm heading north, they're heading south. You know, it's one of those things. Like, sure. we're in Hoi An for four days. You've got nothing to lose. Exactly. Right. And you probably never see these people again. Yeah. Who gives a shit? Are they fun to be around? Yeah. And I think yeah. there, you know, there can be some glaring, definitely some glaring holes. I think also you think about it and you tell these stories. And at least I think my first one of these things, I didn't understand what it was. You see what I, I thought it was like, but holy did you shit. feel it? I was like, did I just meet the love of my life? You know what I mean? I'm 22, naive. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think you kind of have to call it for what it is and yes. understand that when you're on the road, like, don't worry about the 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 next thing. Just enjoy it. And I'm happy. I, I'm if, if I could bring in my old, wise, sage. Oh, you old bull. <laughs> weathered wisdom. I will tell you and the listeners out there, shit just doesn't happen that often. And so if you're picking and choosing and parsing out what you think might be real or or this feeling or this relationship, it just doesn't happen. So so let it happen when it does and, and, and it, just enjoy it. Because again, after 10 years plus on the road to, to, to be able to find that magic in a night, you know, or, yeah. or a girl that you spend a couple of days with, man, just let the good times roll. All right, well, let's transition. Yeah. All right. Well, Brad. To our next rose. Hit me. I got you with this one. Brad, you're in some random Spanish city that you love, that you usually go on and on and on about. That was it. <laughs> just getting, soft, getting you right in the throat dick. right there. Soft dick. <laughs> You meet a local girl at a bar while you're having a few drinks in the early evening. She offers to show you around. A day together turns into a week. It's not really love yet, but it's something. Brad, will you accept this rose? All right. This is a yes, but for me. Just, you know, in The Bachelor, there's no such thing as a yes, but, but I will give it to you here. This I've never seen The Bachelor, so <laughs> that's fair. Dragging you down this rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. So the but is, let me be clear here. This is the white whale of traveling, studying, and living abroad. Captain Ahab ain't got shit on this. I could write 500 pages on all the girls and guys I've met who've tried to find love with a local abroad. More people summit Mount Everest in a year than find true love abroad. <laughs> Hookups, flings, another story completely. There's enough gringo grasshoppers to get you that kind of love on the road if you're looking for it. But the real deal... Nah, there's just too many elements at work here. Too many factors that are going against you. Time, language, location. It's enough to send any novice traveler home defeated and heartbroken. Nate, mm. love the local. Thoughts on that? I, you know, there's a, there's like a few quasi situations where I have, but it was when I was living in New Zealand, uh, when I was in Korea, I met a South, a South Korean who was traveling to a different part of South Korea. So it was kind of like a ad lib cut type of thing. But at the same time, it doesn't happen. You're kind of right that it has to find you. I don't think like if you if you think about it, if I was a local, let's just say someone was like if some if some like beautiful woman was here for three days, I'd be like, oh, like let's, you know, let's see what happens. But at the same time, you probably would be a bit Shut off by the idea where it's like, wow, they're just passing through. They're just leaving anyway. And so here's the yes, but is, is the yes, this would be awesome. Falling in love with a local and having something like that happen. And maybe a relationship buds from that. But I'm tempered by the realities that you're up against. And so again, to break them down, location, right? Locals don't live where most tourists stay and go out. It's the same in the U.S. pretty much like mm -hmm. Washington, D.C. I don't live where all the tourists go. I live in the suburbs and shit, right? So basically, you're, you're looking in the wrong place. Time is the other one you're up against. If you're living somewhere like you were in New Zealand or you're slow traveling and you're, you've got more, more of a chance if you're somewhere for a week, two weeks, three weeks. But travelers, backpackers, people that are in places for three days... 
You just, no. you almost can't find it. It has to find you. And mm -hmm. all those variables swirling around, it just makes for a situation and environment where it's just not going to happen. So if you can keep your expectations lowered in that sense and just, and maybe hope that it works out for you, that's the better situation. Yeah. You know, I think I was, I'm, I'm open to anything and you know, I'm a pretty open-minded guy. I was in Reykjavik for a night and me and my new friend from the hostel, another American guy from Kentucky, uh, we were going out and these, these Icelandic girls were like, Hey, do you want to, um, she's like talking to me. And then there was a dance floor makeout and she's like, yeah, my parents' apartments around here. It's empty. And I'm like, all right, what's going on here? And then I was like, Hey, do you want me to buy you a drink? And so I go over and, you know, I'm buying, I bought her a drink and she orders an Icelandic and then it's like I felt like this was I was being like catfished in person over yeah, the course too good of like be, too good to be true. Too good to be true. So I <laughs> yeah. buy the drink and I was like, I'll have the same thing and, and the the bartender was like, Are you sure you want that? I was like, I'll take your cheapest beer. <laughs> and the tab for the cheap beer and her drink was thirty eight dollars. Uh, and then later it comes out that she's a she says that we're foreign hunters. And they basically use these guys coming in and I know that's the thing. It's like you're you're looking for love. You think, oh wow, this could be the great white buffalo that finds you. Be wary, especially in those touristy areas. And that's what I, was calling, I call them the gringo grasshoppers. Yeah. It's you know, it's these girls that know guys or girls, usually guys, are the most susceptible, right? And they're coming in with cash. They want to have a good time. They want to meet local girls, and they just basically get all the free drinks and whatever they can out of them. Yeah, and then, and then hop in a cab oh, and so it's over. Yeah, so we're like, all right, they're like, let's go get some food. I was like, cool, it's like 4 a.m., it's still light out, you know, that whole thing, it's Iceland, I'm like, this is sick. And we meet at the local subway, you know, just the local, the local watering hole subway. <laughs> and <laughs> all of a sudden, like, six Icelandic dudes come out of nowhere, and they're like, who the fuck, like, kind of like, well, fuck you guys. And I was like, sick. <laughs> so then <laughs> we're, like, kicking pebbles on the way home, and I was like, dang, you know, this is not how, it's not how it's supposed to play out, right? No, but this is a great point in that if if you kind of understand that the odds are stacked against you and the likelihood of a local falling in love with you on one night, uh, then you, you can avoid, <laughs> you can avoid getting catfish or yeah, avoid getting exactly, used yeah. and dumped just for free drinks or whatever. So that's a great little addition point to this is if you, yeah. if you kind of go in with a little bit of this perspective, like the odds again, been doing this for a while now, you know. Yeah. This is only happy. I've only ever it's a met numbers a local. Game. Yeah, I've only met a local and had an awesome experience that maybe had romantic uh, interests and and th and things come from them. I can count them on one hand after being to a bunch of countries and traveling for a bunch of years. So, yes, but yes, yeah. but I'm, I'm, I'm open to it, and I'm and I'd be ecstatic if I if it ever worked out with a local. But it took me it took me two years to buy a drink for a girl after that. I was really I was really jaded. I felt yeah. really duped. Oh, I can I can just see him coming from a mile away now, and I just shut yeah, him yeah, down, yeah. and I'm just like, you got the wrong dude. Looked at that guy. I think he had just for turned it. 22, so that was my issue. <laughs> oh, you're prime. You're prime. Definitely. All right, let's get to our last rose. Nate, you meet a girl in Bali. You hit it off. It's unreal. You start talking. She lives in Australia. You live in D.C. You're debating whether or not to start a relationship. Will you accept this rose? No, Brad. I am pushing this one away. It comes down to the simple universal principle of being geographically unattractive. 
My dad calls this GU, and it stems from a time when this girl took me to a dance, and he's like, where does she live? And I was like, uh, yeah, she lives like in the backside of Ahwatukee. He goes, oh, she's GU. I was like, what's that? Geographically unattractive. It, t- it takes 50 minutes to drive to her house. Oof. It, at that my age, junior, in my junior of high school, do I have time to drive 50 minutes to Ahwatukee, no, the biggest well... cul-de-sac in the world? Nay, I do not. So what that boils down to is no matter how great it was when you were there, it doesn't change the fact that she lives 5,000 miles away or more maybe. Absolutely. That's something you can't change. No. Well, not really, but we'll get into that. Travel kind of at its ethos is an alternate dimension. The way I see it, the moment you give your passport and you walk through customs, you're entering a Narnia. It's like going through the wardrobe into Narnia. Bunch of unseen, unforeseen shit, exciting stuff out there. It's different, right? You're free. You're adventurous. You're in a constant state of ecstasy and of exciting places. And you're bumping shoulders with new people that have one big thing in common with you. Travel. You're meeting these girls and you're like, wow, she's fun. I'm fun. She likes to travel. I like to travel. Oh, wow. Like, it's so easy to be like, wow, we have so much in common, you know? And I think especially from going from friends at home to the road, you're like, these people are my people, right? Yes, absolutely. So it's easy to get swept away with that. But, you know, you have that great week and then you go home. The cycle, the distance won't end until someone eventually moves. And without getting into the visa complications of all that, I mean, like, you know, depending on where they live, like that's a lot of work to be able to live in another country. Do you really want to move across the world for someone you spent a week with in Thailand? No. It's a big leap. I'm, I'm with you on a lot of these points. From my experience, what it boils down to is, like you said, someone eventually is going to have to leave their life and join the other person wherever their life is. Because... Mm -hmm. You can only have so much Skype sex <laughs> before before it gets old, and yeah, I mean, the honest, the, the honest, at the end of the day, call Skype sex what you want. You're still yurking your own self off. That's all it is in a room. It's glorified yurking by yourself. Yeah, it's. I don't want to pour pour water on this and be Debbie Downer, but there are re, there is truth to realities when you're living this travel life you said this you know kind of narnia experience you have no cares there's no responsibilities there's no nine to five there's no timeline there's nowhere you need to be or person you've got to be with and it creates this incredible environment to to experiment in to have adventures and whatnot and when you meet somebody in that environment that environment is unique to where where it's happening and unfortunately, you can't take that environment back home. You can't pack it in a suitcase. Yeah. You have to leave that girl or that guy. You have to come and, out of the closet and that out of the wardrobe. Yeah, you have to walk back to the wardrobe and leave that where it was. And when you do, you come back to whatever you've got at home. And that's work, family, friends. And that ain't the same reality that you... Yeah. We're living, and so to bring those two worlds together and make them work, it's really fucking different. And it's, yeah, from my experience, it's it's pretty tough to do. It can be fun. 
Skype sex can be an adventurous, adventurous place to live sometimes. But but uh, in the long run, unless you you've got the stones and you've got the sense of adventure to want to leave somewhere and move somewhere for somebody. And I'll tell you right now, I completely would would leave the U.S. and go and go move to be with somebody and see if it worked out. I have no, I am the ultimate romantic. I have no bones about making that happen, Yeah. but, but it's, it's very few and far between. And that leap you have to make that quantum leap you have to make to picking everything up and moving to Melbourne, Melbourne, excuse me. That's a big one. That yeah. is a big one. I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm wary of that my, my advice, find a, awesome girl where you live that is down to go to those same places you want to go to it's sure. to quote hannah montana it's the best of both worlds well that's the jackpot is if you can find somebody you know who's maybe who's in the u.s first and then maybe on mm. the east coast or something and you find someone like that abroad who has the same um world views and their this commitment to traveling or a travel lifestyle psh, like you said bang that's it that's the gold. That's the goose that laid. Even the still, though, I mean, I met, I told you I met that really great girl in Baku of all places. Baku, hot spot for meeting. Yeah, <laughs> hot singles. No um, wonder you met some <laughs> an American there. Yeah, Imagine but I mean, she's from out. Phoenix, and like I grew up in Phoenix. I like love, but I'm not moving to Phoenix. Yeah, I, I think then you keep on like going back, and you're like. Ah, but that's I mean, an easier bridge to cross. Phoenix yeah, yeah, Denver, exactly. like, you know, you just pack up a U-Haul and figure it out. Yeah. It's like for you, it's like, would you move? How far would you move? Like if you, you know. I'd move anywhere. Oh, my guy. I See don't... what I just did right there? I just wingmanned you. You know, maybe, maybe who knows who's going to listen to this? Maybe there's some girl who's like, wow, Brad. <laughs> my he'd guy. Leave he'd leave it all for love. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get some weird DM like, hey, listen to the podcast. Ladies, find I me love on the, you. Right, DM me on the gram. We'll sort this shit out. Love that. Uh, all right. Well, that's it for love, kids. As Nate said, we're going to get into um, hookup culture a little bit on the road. Other and, other basitos on the road. And some other fun things here later in the podcast here, later in the season, I should say. But let's transition to our last segment. This one we call off-trail destinations if you've been listening for a couple episodes now you're familiar with it if you're not what are off-trail destinations if any of you have seen anthony bourdain's travel shows you'll know he went around the world showing you what to do and where to eat but eventually he'll find a restaurant and he'll tell you no i can't give this one up this is a place you'll have to find for yourselves well we're giving you the goods makes me love him even more <laughs> We're offering up some of the destinations we might want to keep to ourselves, but we're telling you anyway. So you're welcome, <laughs> Nate. You want to uh, you want to serve up the goods first this week for us? Yeah, you know I think it is funny talking about what I'm going to talk about because you talk about food and Anthony Bourdain. This place is not known for its food, and uh, I'm talking about New Zealand. What I'm going to say is this hot take in the back side of the pod, which I, I think I'm going to start just firing off as many hot takes as possible. <laughs> Any place of the crown, I'm talking Australia, you know, Canada, UK, New Zealand, none of them have good cuisine. The best cuisine comes from places they've colonized. <laughs> and I don't want to get, I do not want to get what started on colonization, but it's ridiculous. Granted, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to get fired up about that. Um, <laughs> so I'm talking about New Zealand. 
And I'm not talking about the whole country because I think it's pretty well known. New Zealand's awesome. If you've ever watched Lord of the Rings, it's easy to be like, this place is beautiful. So most people, uh, Americans, fly into Auckland. They'll bop down to Christchurch, rip across, hit your Wanakas, your Queenstowns, your Milford Sounds. But up north in the north part of the South Island, there is a treasure trove of little hidden gems um, so I guess the big one, and it, it's a pretty well visited, uh, park, but it's Abel Tasman National Park. It's basically this strip of coastline that's really blue water, really white beaches. You can kayak, you can hike. Uh, it's stunning. There's dolphins, seals, penguins. Whoa. Wildlife erection over I, here. <laughs> I have a penguin tattooed on my arm. You've said enough. Yeah, exactly. I'm already hooked. Uh, yeah. but it is an awesome spot, a lot to do. And then inside... I'm very biased. This is kind of like where I've spent a ton of time. I spent 30 days in a place called the Kahurangi National Park. And there's waterfalls. There's these, you know, secluded ridgelines. There's these peaks that are above the, of the clouds. There's these viewpoints. It's got some old mining history. It's really cool. And what I kind of want to say as a pro tip in this is if you're going there, there's um, huts. And so basically it's like a cabin where you have to bring, you know, your clothes, a sleeping bag, and food. You don't have to bring a tent. It's $5 a night. And I don't know how willing you are to camp, Brad. I know you were right Not before this, willing. you're riffing on some outdoor people in Whitefish. <laughs> Not that willing to camp, but. But exactly. But like, a you know, a cabin that it's $5 a night. It feels like a no brainer, right? Yeah. Moving a bit east, Nelson's the big city. You can fly in and out of there. It's 40,000 people, kind of a place to jump off from. But Okay. East is the region I really want to talk about that I think is, it's the background of my computer. Marlboro Sounds, it is world famous wine country. And so there's a lot of great wine. There's a lot of great uh, places to taste and experience. But in there, uh, there's these two sounds, Queen Charlotte Sound and uh, the Marlboro Sounds. Are, um, and so, you know, it's kind of hard to get out there, but there are ways to experience it. You can pay $80 a day and have someone take you kind of around and you'll see some of the wildlife uh but it basically it's like these massive peninsulas coming out of really blue water some of these islands have lizards that are 200 million years old it's like kind of like the closest thing to jurassic park without jeff goldblum being shirtless so it's uh it's an awesome spot i know i talked a lot about the what but i think what's amazing about these places is how remote they feel sure you know and i think Milford Sound is very well traveled and this it's very beautiful. I don't you know, I recommend you going to all those places, but these feel very out there. Milford Sound being in the south of New Zealand. Yeah, it's further south. It's like next to Queenstown. Um and Queenstown's like where all the bungee jumping and extreme shit is. Uh also a great place to party if we're talking about that while we're (laughs) quick little side side note here, great place to get ripped. But best time to visit, I think we pretty much every place we talk about we always recommend shoulder season. That looks mm-hmm. like October, November, February, March. It's pretty busy in December, January. Obviously, it's switched. But they receive over 300 days of sunshine up there. So it's an awesome climate. And uh, I looked up flights, $900 round trip into Auckland, go from there pretty much for the rest of the year. Can we travel there? <laughs> but I think there's a number of airlines that are making that pretty affordable. Um, $900 round trip um, with like a quick stop in Honolulu is a pretty good deal, in my opinion. Yeah, that's not bad at all. So, uh, but yeah, anyways, I just, I think this place always ha- will have a big piece of my heart. I know that sounds a bit um, wanky, but, you know, I think. Definitely wanky. Was it the place where I went from a boy to a man? 
even wankier. Yeah. <laughs> it was Nate's bar mitzvah. It was basically <laughs> Nate's bar mitzvah on the road. So um, if you want to go back and be like, ah, that, that's where uh, Nate became a man. He can <laughs> Have you left a marker there? Have you sacrificed something? Yeah. Uh, all right. I've got... Um, <clears throat> I've got a little trip down memory lane, Nate. A little place you and I have shared. No, I, not, I love not, memories. Not together, but as a place we've both been. We're going to northern Thailand and a place I'd rather keep to myself. It's called Pai. Nate, say it with me. Pai. Pai. <laughs> Are we Nate, sure we're pronouncing that? I mean, we have to be pronouncing it right. Like, how can you fuck up the pronunciation of Pai? I, I think it's Pai. It's got yeah. <laughs> P-A-I. Anyway, what a place. Straight up, uh, it's going to be tough for me to, to boil this one down. As I said, Pai is in the north. You'll likely get there after a stop in Chiang Mai, which is another great destination. From Chiang Mai, you wind your way through 762 curves and switchbacks over the mountains to get to the village of Pai. When you arrive... You find yourself in this like bustling, quirky little mountain town. Pai's got this, it's it's wild. It's got this island vibe to it, but it's in the mountains. It's laid mm -hmm. back, hippie, artists. Basically what you can do, you can spend the afternoon, an ideal afternoon, ripping around the countryside and the area outside of the village. You're going to hot springs, waterfall slides, canyons with rad trails it's it's not extreme outdoor activities though you can find a couple of challenging hikes it's stuff you can do high <laughs> or or after a couple beers maybe even a magic mushroom shake yes that is another draw to pie is the shake shack they have there at night you can find live music really good live music art demonstrations dancing it's like an outdoor like kind of club uh there's cool craft stores or you can just lounge around in hammocks in the cool mountain air and kick it and meet new friends the best thing about pie is there's no rush to do anything or pressure that's why you go to pie is to slow down let the days blur into each other again it's kind of got that like island vibe to it but in the mountains i can't say enough about this place said at the beginning i'm saying it again it's just really difficult to distill a place like this and give you a guide or a checklist. It's a place you have to feel to believe. I will say one thing though, is you've got to go now. Yeah. <laughs> go now. Time is of the essence. Time is of the essence. Go now before this place gets overrun with tourism and the promise of more. The word is already out. People know about it. It's not getting the crush of tourism that the south of Thailand gets, you know, the Phuket's, the Koh Samui's, and some of the island, uh, other islands. I think part of it is because there's a barrier to entry. It's a big fucking mountain with 762 switchbacks. And if, yeah. you get, <laughs> if you get sick on buses, you probably will throw up. Though I did read, man, apparently there's like, you can fly into Pai now. Apparently there's an airport. They, 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 they was, there was an airport. I didn't ever think... When I went That's there, bad. Yeah. there's an airport, but there's now. Um, and so as these things de develop listeners, like when there's m more access, 
this place is just going to get built up and blown up more. And I imagine there would probably be a lot more restrictions on what you can do in the environment and in the countryside. Mm -hmm. I actually think they probably should be limiting some of the stuff you can do. Like, yeah. Remember that Canyon? Pie Canyon. Yeah. And like, but it's very fragile. Like people are like falling off because the rocks are, rocks are crumbling. And like the, the, the trails are falling away underneath all the, you know, footsteps or whatever. But a couple quick hits, food, Northern Thai food is what most Americans are exposed to back home. And this is where pie delivers. Obviously it's in the North. So you're getting it here and you're getting it at a fraction of the cost. You are having incredible Thai food cuisine of all different types for nothing. It is amazing. As for accommodations, it's a cheap place to stay. There are plenty of options. You can stay in private bungalows. You can stay in modern Airbnbs. And of course, there are plenty of backpacker hostels you can you can shack up into. One important note to anybody who's backpacking, do not stay in the circus in the pie circus hostel. That's the one with all the tents, right? It's like all the like out in the middle of nowhere and it's like it's up this crazy big hill and they it's a, it's like a legit circus. They have like fire people and like all yeah. kinds of other weird hippie shit. But it's a bed bug like <laughs> Yeah, it's like known for bed bugs. It's a bed bug paradise. Uh it's so bad, Nate. I don't know if you But it was got three it was like I remember it was four dollars a night. Yeah. I, is that is it worth it? And then no. Like, nah, stay with this guy. He's Canadian and loves eighties hip hop. And it was like an awesome place and it did was eight dollars a night. Did you stay in yeah. that place? Yeah, I you told me to there. stay there. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Um it's so bad that in Chiang Mai, if you come back from Pai and they in They'll ask you if you stay at circus, they won't let you stay there. The time of the time to go was November to February. It's low humidity, cool evenings. If not burning season, right? There's a burning season. Yeah, there's a burning season in That's March. That's April. March, April, yeah. March. And you want to stay away from that. If you can time it for the beginning of November, you should be able to catch the famous uh, Lantern Festival that happens mm-hmm. across Thailand, but in the north, in Chiang Mai in particular. So you kind of do this pod Chiang Mai thing if, if you're paying attention. If, if you've ever seen on Instagram or any of these crazy travel accounts, this picture of like a gajillion lanterns in the air floating, floating. It's, it's Thailand in early the first week of november uh and finally an item i know hits really close to home for you nate is scooters scooters are the way to go and pie you can rent one for a day or your entire stay it's about four bucks or 100 baht for the day it's the best it's the best manner and vehicle to take you into the countryside and hopefully see some of the dopest sunsets you'll see in thailand that's it that's Dang. pie. Did I? I will say you. Did I do really it? Sold it. Do I do it? You did it. I think you did. Yeah, a really good job doing it justice. I was gonna. So I was gonna say few things. That drive is ridiculous. On the, I, I've done the, so I guess four times because I've gone twice. This is the seven. The seven hundred sixty-two switchbacks. Did you? Brutal. Did you? Did you do it on a motorcycle yourself? No. So I first time I was with Andy and her, him and I were really really hungover. Um, and we were in the back of the bus. We were like the last ones on the bus. And it was, I have these, still these videos of Andy and it was like, we were battling through hell. And the second time I was like, okay, I know better. I'm going to sit in the front seat, like not in the front seat, but like the first row looking out the middle. Cause you wanted to like, look, look straight. Yeah. And there was a Chinese woman next to me throwing up the whole time. Oh. And my sister was behind me brutal, laughing her ass off. Cause she's like, Nate is getting absolutely 
rocked. And you, and you thought and you had it all figured out. You're I was like, like I've I got, got it. This. I'm sorted. <laughs> yeah. And she's just like, Bleh. yeah. And it was it was a nightmare. So there's literally I would say that was not. Yeah. There's literally a sign in the bathrooms when you stop on. Like, like, don't the, throw up in the sink. Yeah. Right? Don't throw up in the sink. Yeah. I will say it has gotten from 2016 to 2018. It was like a year and a half, like 18 months. Uh, it was. A lot busier. I was amazed with how many more people there were. Wow. I remember looking at Hostel World in 2016. There was like five or six options. Yeah. And now there was like there was like 30 or 40 in 2018. And you know, I have a friend I met in Indonesia who's still like who lives there. It's like during the quarantine, I've seen her. But she's like she probably stay in Circus Hostel. She's like moving her hoops around and stuff. Like that's she's a hooper. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but she's I think all people. Circus you talked about the whole time thing. A lot of Westerners go there and like don't. It's like Hotel California. They, they don't just leave. don't leave, bro. Because it's like it is, it is a paradise. It, it is, is like a, it is a portal to another dimension, like a, another time, existence. like a yeah. like a utopia. Other thing I'm going to say is at night they have the night market, and it's a pretty strong night market. You can get beers from Seven Eleven, and then just walk around. But what I'm going to say is there's this one guy, and he does squid, and it's like in this lemongrass sauce. I had one bite in 2016, and I literally I was like Taylor, I'll go back to pie with you. Only because I want to eat this straight up. But then I mean, I had a really great time with my sister as well. And we got, like you can rent a motorcycle with like a sidecar. It's like a scooter with a sidecar. Yeah, super dangerous. Like <laughs> I, I feel pretty safe on a motorcycle. Yeah, and a few times it like locked up as I was steering it, going like fifty miles an hour. I was like, this is this is not this is not good. But other than that, I will say, yeah, Pai is an amazing place. It was probably my both times. It was my favorite place in Thailand. I think Chiang Mai. I, did, I really don't rate. Like the south of Thailand has a like kind of a place, but the and it's allured scuba diving, beaches, yeah. all that stuff. But it has its place. Like Chiang Mai and Pai are just such awesome locations, and you know I think there will be, yeah, it's one of those things that you want to go now. So absolutely. But I will say one last thing about Pai is that back in 2016, on Brad's Instagram, if you scroll back far enough, you can find it. He has. Or my website, onemancaravan.com. Yeah, exactly. He wrote like this um, story about Pi and, you know, this beautiful experience he had. And he, it was so great. But the final lines, like it starts with the whisper, ends with the whisper, Pi. And so half the time I call or we're checking the mics for the podcast or like I call him, I go, Pi. And I think <laughs> hopefully it doesn't fuck him off too much, but <laughs> I find it very entertaining. So it was, yeah, it's one of those places if you find my story on Instagram or on the website, if you if you know me, you've probably seen it. It's one of those places that just moves you, and like you said, that you can just fall into, and it's so welcoming, and it's and it's totally about the experience and the energy that you feel there. It's not really about what you're doing, and and what you see. It's it's really about that that fucking hate saying vibe. Keep saying vibe, but there's there's this yeah. there's this frequency that you plug into when you get there and there's not a lot of places in this world that have that and it's a fleeting kind of frequency to keep and to maintain. Pi had it. I hope it still has it and I definitely yeah. want to go back for sure. And you guys hey, should get there as well. If I had a drink in my hand, I would cheers to you for finding another pie somewhere in the world. Surely it's out there. Those are speaking of white whales. That's that's kind of like my treasure hunting is to find these little places in time that that kind of make you feel like that. Yeah, that's why you get on the road. Well, to that, and uh, I'm I'm feeling good about some of these spots. And you know what? 
Fuck yeah. Nailed it. Good work, Brad. Nailed it. I'm happy. Another episode in the books. Guys, thanks for listening again. Thanks for joining us. Mom, dad, always huge fans. Thank you so much for your support. (laughs) It's been great. We've got about another five episodes or so. Keep rocking with us. Um, And hit us up. We should have an Instagram up by the time this publishes. It'll be... uh, the road provides the road provides pod uh and you can find me at one man caravan on instagram nate you're big and sunday big and sunday if it's hit not it, broke don't fix it <laughs> hit us up with uh whatever any questions comments let us know what what you want to hear what we haven't talked about and we'll try and do our best to, to work that into into future pods all right boy i appreciate it we'll talk to you next week course deuces my dude deuces this has been the road provides